Welcome to the Empire Files podcast. This is Abby Martin. The first hearing at the International Court of Justice on the South Africa filing accusing Israel of perpetrating genocide against the Palestinian people is being held on January 11th, 2024. Israel will be presenting its defense against the charges the next day, January 12th, via the Times of Israel. An Israeli government spokesperson announced that representatives of the country will appear before the court to defend Israel's position, which he described as, quote, blood libel against the Jewish state. The state of Israel emphatically condemns South Africa's decision to play devil's advocate and makes itself criminally complicit with the perpetrators of the October 7th massacre, said Israeli government spokesperson Ilan Levy during a press conference on Tuesday. Confirming that Israel would send representatives to the hearings, Levy said it was tragic that South Africa was, quote, fighting pro bono for anti-Jewish racists and said that history will judge South Africa for abetting the modern heirs of the Nazis. Very wild projection here. But what else is new when it comes to the rogue genocidal apartheid state of Israel? Joining me now to discuss this welcome move from South Africa is journalist Sam Husseini. Welcome to the show, Sam. Uh, good to be with you, Abby. Sam, you're one of the only journalists on the Hill that actually does their job at these State Department briefings. It's a rare delight to see you asking critical questions to these ghouls and goons up there uh, denying our reality. Um, there's this unprecedented global movement in support of Palestine as Israel's genocidal onslaught continues. There are mobilizations of resistance on so many fronts around the world to stop this. You have been urging for months now uh, another course of action, another front for countries that are parties to the Genocide Convention to invoke this treaty, which Israel is also a party to. So that brings us to what just happened, which is South Africa's filing um, doing just that. I want to talk about all of this and more. Um, you know, I know it's a very long filing here, but can you walk us through what you've read in the document? It's a very extensive document. It's 84 pages. It has hundreds of footnotes. It draws on recent um, uh, reports uh, by uh, rapporteurs, by uh, UN agencies, by other NGOs uh, from news reports, in-depth news reports uh, regarding the humanitarian situation, regarding the nature of Israel's attacks. Um, uh, and it uh, lists the nature of those attacks, uh, primarily in Gaza, but also, I mean, it documents uh, literally hundreds of attacks on medical facilities on the West Bank as well. Um, it goes through the genocidal um, statements uh, uh, showing intent by Israeli officials from the prime minister, from the president, from the so-called defense minister saying no food, no water, no electricity. Um, it, um, it, it is a very substantial document, um, going through the litany of, um, of what Israeli policy has been, what it's meant, quoting from doctors in terms of what they're going through, um, quoting, uh, citing the attacks on cultural facilities, uh, uh religious facilities, um, uh, orders to evacuate, uh, which were illegal, um, uh, mass displacement, um, uh, effects on, 
um, on women and children, on pregnant women of the Israeli attacks. It's a very um, uh, it, it's a very in depth and very sobering read, and I, I recommend I recommend people take a, a as much of a good look at it as as they can stomach. Sam, you mentioned the West Bank and the attacks that are happening there. So this isn't confined to Gaza. Is it confined for everything that's happened after October 7th? Um, for the most part, although it does draw on prior um, attacks by Israel. Um, I mean, you know, Israel calls attacking Gaza mowing the lawn. So, um, you know, in 2006, in 2009, in 2014... Um, in two, in 2021, um, I'm probably forgetting one, um, you know, that they have periodically done massive onslaughts. Uh, there was one really interesting paragraph. I can't remember what year it was, uh, that they quoted from a previous UN report. Um, and it basically said, Israel says that it's doing this in response to what, Hamas did, but the nature of the attack in you know highlights the um, uh, that it's all pre-planned, and I think that that's a very serious lesson for the current case. That is, I, I hear a lot of people talk about Israel doing things in response to Hamas, and so on. There are parts of the South African uh, application towards the to the International Court of Justice. That, that highlight that that's not really what's going on. That is, Israel has a plan to um, decapitate as much as possible Palestinian society, and whatever Hamas does is simply a pretext uh, in order to fulfill the, the, those ends. That's an extremely good point, um, because we have seen those documents coming out from the Knesset or from, I guess, just meetings between Israeli officials saying exactly that. So I, I am very happy to hear that that is the premeditated nature of what the plan has been for expulsion, mass expulsion and ethnic cleansing is being laid bare in this document. I think the significance of South Africa being the country to bring this case is extraordinary. You know, this isn't an Arab country. Arab countries have been very disappointing um, in their response to this genocide. But this is a country that's broken out of its colonial chains. It's freed itself from apartheid. And I think it's just extremely symbolic and powerful for this to be happening. Let's talk about the, the intent, um, because I know that you've mentioned that that is generally one of the harder things to prove and definitely not so in this case, Sam. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and you're absolutely right about South Africa and the, you know, profound meaning of of the symbolism of 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 South Africa being the one to do this, given um, the longstanding solidarity uh, between the anti-apartheid struggle in South Africa and the Palestinians, um, as as well as the fact that South Africa did break out of apartheid, um, and that the apartheid regime, the former apartheid regime of South Africa, was closely allied with Israel, developed nuclear and biological weapons with it, and so on. Um, um, yes, absolutely. I intent um, is typically the hardest part of genocide to prove, and it's a, an, an important component of it. Uh, that, that is, legally genocide, you, you, you don't need 
you know, a mass system of extermination. You don't even necessarily need a lot of deaths, although you obviously have that in this case, uh, but you do need um, intent. Um, But here you have intent. It's been openly broadcast um, uh, uh, from uh, the highest officials uh, in Israel, um, sometimes more brazenly from other uh, you know, Knesset members or members of the military, um, uh, just outright uh, saying, you know, there are no innocents in Gaza uh, from the uh, from the president. Um, uh, the the uh, invocation of Amalek by the uh, prime minister. Um, there, there have just been brazen um, invocations of effectively kill them all displace them all get rid of them all there are no I've, I've never seen anything like it actually yeah uh, it's pretty shocking how explicit Israeli officials are at laying bare their genocidal intent and I think when you juxtapose that with the denial the blanket denial of reality from Western officials and media officials it just seems so strange it's like very schizophrenic feeling then to just be lied to over and over again like no that that's not what's happening yeah no it's it's it really is remarkable in terms of the you know complete duplicity of u.s officials that claim what's not happening isn't happening um what what is happening isn't happening it's it's um you know i mean you, you were congratulating me about you know getting you know questions in at the state department and so on they, they called on me for four days in November, and they've never, you know, the main spokesperson hasn't called on me a single time uh, during, you know, since October 7th. So it's hard for me to, you know, get the questions in that I want to get in, uh, given the parameters of how they do things. Um, so, um, you know, th- th- there's been, you know, some attempt by other journalists to try to pin them down, but it, it certainly has not been done enough. And they really have literally, literally gotten away with murder here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are five pages of cabinet officials and Israeli ministers, I mean, genocidal rhetoric that are included in this document. And there's more every day. I just saw two more statements today that sh- that should be included in the document. I mean, it, it is just it's so frequent we can't even really keep up quickly go over the examples of evidence that they presented for the genocidal onslaught in terms of civilian targeting like how do they how do they categorize that because i know that there's obviously a qualification for collective punishment which seems quite obvious you know that they're human animals we're going to act accordingly it's going to be a complete siege the cutting off of food water and electricity how are they addressing the civilians being killed yeah no i as mean qualifying? they're, they're... I mean, the document certainly stresses the civilians being killed, um, mm-hmm. and um, uh, it, it, it certainly makes reference to quote-unquote collective punishment. I'm not wild about the term collective punishment, just mm-hmm. it presumes that there's a legitimate punishment role to be played here. Right. Uh, and so I, I, I'll show crazy about that. Um, but they, they, they certainly use it, sometimes in quotes, interestingly enough, so I, I don't know if they similarly... Um, um, have have an issue with, you know, it, that that being how it's raised, um, uh, but no, they they largely document the you know illegal and illegitimate nature of um, 
exacting so much punishment um, and so much damage onto a, a, a civilian population that 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 certainly um, a, a huge part of um, of the document in terms of displacement, in terms of um, uh, attacking medical facilities, in terms of not ensuring. Um, uh, you know, uh, relief, medical care, um, uh, food, water, uh, deprivation of water, attack on water facilities, uh, statements of intent to attack water facilities, mm -hmm. um, and so on. So it's, it, it's uh, you know, they, they don't seem to get into anticipating Israel's, you know, counter arguments vis-a-vis, you know, we were just after Hamas. And Hamas, you know, sits around in all of the hospitals and all of that. Um, and, um, I mean, there, there are things that I'm a little, you know, um, wary of in terms of this whole process. Uh, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not a lawyer, not specialized in international law in that sense. Um, uh, so, for example... Uh, in my, it's my understanding in the Bosnia case, um, you know, Fr Francis Boyle has been the one, you know, who's been a mm -hmm. course of action for a long time, and he represented Bosnia in '93, invoking the same legal processes that we're talking about here, um, and he was able to do a, you know, a two-day thing. So, you know, he had a day, and then the Yugoslavians had a day. They were actually represented by an Israeli. Um, Perfect. Yeah, right. Um, and then he got a, a rebuttal day, and then they got a rebuttal day. So, um, you know, God only knows what antics the Israelis will put forward um, on, you know, when they, um, when, when they speak on the 12th. Um, and... Um, uh, yeah, and and we've already seen a, a delay in this. Uh, you know, the, the South African application was very pointed in terms of making this a matter of urgency, and um, unfortunately, the current president of the International Court of Justice is a, a former State Department official, um, and um, uh, you know, the international lawyers that I've talked to are still very optimistic of a. Uh, South African victory here, um, but it seems that one effect of the presidency of the International uh, Court of Justice being in the hands of a former State Department official is that this was effectively delayed by a week. Uh, we they they still expect that there will be a um, a preliminary uh, judgment, a preliminary action uh, being done. Uh, before the end of the month, um, but you know, obviously, uh, given the, the scale of what's happening and uh, the continuing nature of Israel's genocide, uh, you know, every day is uh, is a tragedy. And while the proceedings are happening, will there be a moratorium on bombing? No. What well, I mean, what we're waiting on is, you know, arguments will happen, and then hopefully. Oh, Within a week after that, or so, um, the court will render a a, a provisional order mm -hmm. uh, in which they can say everything stops, or something like that, or they can Got say it. 
these specific actions need to stop. It may or may not mean a complete ceasefire. It presumably will mean um, these things may be genocidal. They all need to stop. It can't something like that. Very disturbing about the news of who's running the court. Can't say I'm surprised. Um, and it is cartoonish to think of what Israel is going to respond with. I mean, what I'm, I'm assuming the same things that they've been alleging this whole time, that all of the civilians are human shields and that Hamas has headquarters under every hospital, even though they backtrack on that. And it's just astounding to even just fathom them presenting that as evidence of of them not being guilty. I just can't imagine what what's going to happen here, Sam. Right. And I mean, you, you, I mean, we, we've seen Israelis and their, you know, antics at the United Nations, you know, when the Iranians spoke, they, you know, their representative went around holding up a sign, um, you know, just, you know, they, they, they will attempt to, I don't know what they're going to do. They they may well attempt to make a mockery of the entire proceedings in some way, shape, or form. Um, I mean, they, they could all you know walk in there with I don't know, uh, you know, six started six, you know, stars of David uh, or, or something on them as they've done at the UN. It, 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 they're 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 so detached from reality um, and from any sense of acceptance of as to what uh, th what the Israeli state is doing um that that they could attempt to just undermine uh, the process in some bizarre way I think that that's exactly what we're going to see um and you actually just tweeted I think earlier today that the latest in Israeli propaganda from Israeli press is that Israel wants the request rejected and plans to sue Iran and Hamas for genocide and South Africa for supporting a terrorist group. Right. Yeah. Um, it was funny. Uh, uh, Boyle told me that um, in the case of Bosnia, y Yugoslavia, you know, accused Bosnia of genocide. Um, and, and then but even they couldn't you know, maintain that. So they backed off. But I, I don't think that Israel's going to back off. I think that they're just gonna, they're just going to keep you know putting out this you know just ludicrous uh, ludicrous statements that it's everybody but them is responsible for this. Um, so absolutely insane. Yeah, I mean, you also had mentioned earlier that there were some limitations that you when, during your cursory read of the filing. I think it was like immediate. You were saying that there were limitations because it was confined to like a certain time period. Did, can you elaborate on what you were? Well, there? yeah, I, I mean, it, it, you know, it's it's a very long filing. Um, John Quigley, one of the international lawyers who's you know done incredible work over the years, um, noted that um, at, at times it doesn't seem to call for a ceasefire. It seems to call mm. for a stop of specific genocidal activities, but at other times it seems to call for a ceasefire. So, you know, again, it, it's not clear how that's exactly going to pan out. And, you know, uh, I honestly haven't parsed it out precisely. Um, it, it, it is a very complex document. Uh, it is 84 pages and very, very dense. Um, um, I mean, I do know, I have interacted with the lead lawyer, Dugard, John Dugard, who is a uh, imminent lawyer in South Africa. He was in old opponent of the apartheid regime um 
you know, and he has a remarkable legacy. He was the um, uh, special rapporteur on the occupied territories in years past. Um, so he knows what he's doing, um, but it, it, it's a complex document. And, you know, it, 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 it seems to have, you know, different demands at different points from, from my layperson's reading. Mm-hmm. That is concerning. Yeah. Um, and of course, this whole time, U.S. and Israel's response has been, you know, laughing it off or blatantly denying. And, you know, as I mentioned before, of course, even alleging that this is blood libel Dang. against Jewish people. But I think there's something darker going on with the U.S. rejection of this, which is obvious. I mean, they're complicit. They're a conspirator. Absolutely. Um, they are a conspirator. Uh, there is a domestic U.S. case put forward by the um, Center for Constitutional Rights and others. Um, um, so, uh, you know, th th there, there are limitations, perhaps, in terms of the International Court of Justice going after the United States. The Genocide Convention, which is being invoked here, and again, I, we should just sort of you know, flesh the groundwork yeah, here please. For, for a little bit. I mean, please. Um, you know, lots of people were focusing on the International Criminal Court mm -hmm. um, in part because um, their prosecutor, this British barrister named Khan, went to Rafat a couple of weeks after um, October 7th and did, the, you know, like a Tony Blair kind of photo op Um you know, at the crossing there, as if to say, I'm the cop on the beat here, and so a bunch of countries filed with him, um, and I knew this was a joke, uh, a very sick joke. Uh, the ICC has been completely worthless um, for many years in terms of Israel and otherwise. It's gone after numerous Africans. It's never gone after a U.S. or NATO or Israeli official. And, um, ju you know, just recently, um, it went after uh, Putin. Um, so it's been, you know, an instrument of U.S. policy. Um, um, uh, and, and that's why I'd been pushing that some, that some country invoke the Genocide Convention at the International Court of Justice, the high court of the U.N. It, it, the, it can't, the ICJ can't go after individuals, but it can go after countries. So it can render a judgment of Israel is guilty of genocide. Um, and, and then that'll have all kinds of ramifications, but they can't lock up Netanyahu the same way that the International Criminal Court could if it had a functioning um, ethical uh, prosecutor, which it doesn't. Um, there are limitations in terms of what the ICJ can do regarding the United States, however, because the U.S. has a reservation on the article in the Genocide Convention that allows countries to go to the ICJ to implement it. Um, that is, Israel doesn't have a reservation nor does South Africa. So that allows South Africa to go after Israel using the Genocide Convention, taking them to the International Court of Justice. But the U.S. has a reservation on that clause, on, on that article of the Genocide Convention. So 
what South Africa is doing to Israel, you, it couldn't do to the United States. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think that's just the big problem with international law and these international bodies is as long as the U.S. empire maintains domination over the planet, I mean, it they're essentially going to be toothless. I mean, let's be the most optimistic possible and say that Israel is charged and that the ruling is successful. You mentioned that this body cannot charge individuals. So where what happens next in that case? Um, what happens next is that it would go to the U.N. Security Council for implementation. The U.S. will obviously veto, or presumably the U.S. will veto it. Um, but you've got a world court ruling now. So um, um, then you have what one hopes would be a very serious uniting for peace process um, at the UN where the General Assembly effectively wrestles control of the situation from the Security Council. Um, and the General Assembly can do a number of things. It can suspend Israel um, uh, from the General Assembly. It can admit Palestine uh, as a full member of the General Assembly. It can set up a tribunal to go after individuals. Um, in the past, the Security Council had done that uh, in the case of Rwanda and Yugoslavia, uh, but there's nothing stopping the General Assembly from doing that, um, especially if the International Criminal Court isn't going to do its job. This dramatically increases the pressure on the International Criminal Court uh, to do its job. Um, I don't know the internal mechanisms of the International Criminal Court, and if Khan can somehow be forced out, given his obvious, um, you know, uh, you know, resignation, his refusal to do his job, um, and um, and then you also have, um, you know, um, prospects of um, universal jurisdiction um, by different states, which can go after. Israeli and U.S. officials, right? I mean, you could have Brazil put out an arrest warrant on all Israeli high officials and U.S. high officials. So, for example, Blinken couldn't set foot in Brazil. Um, and you could have other countries do things like that. So, I mean, what we're seeing is, uh, you know, to borrow a phrase, uh, you know, the birth pangs of a new international system, hopefully, of, um, you know, shedding itself from U.S. dominance and using this, you know, horrific tragedy, um, this genocide uh, against the, gen the Palestinian people in order to set up and start standing on its own hind legs in order to um, meaningfully assert its power um, uh, against against the U.S. empire. I mean, this is all being fueled, as you say, by a global movement. <laughs> I mean, this is ultimately a people-centered movement, but it's how do we use the legal mechanisms, you know, to reflect at least a portion of the ethical drive that's driving. So there's no possible way to actually override the U.S. veto. There's only ways to to generate other 
maneuvers like that that you just outlined, but there is no way to to outmaneuver the U.S. veto. No, not not explicitly. Yeah. It's but you know, I mean, you know, at a certain point, it it just becomes such a ridiculous, repugnant laughing stock that uh, I, I think even the Biden administration is, you know, coming to a may come to a point where they 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 see their legitimacy is going to be severely severely questioned but you know maybe maybe that's being overly optimistic i mean let's hope you're right let's i mean looking at the cuba embargo it seems like there's they just do not care standing against the rest of the world but going back to the the genocide convention with this court versus the icc it is interesting how many countries have like elicited complaints to the ICC, but it, it does seem like everyone kind of generally knows this is a dead end because it is just essentially a tool for Western imperialists and they'll never hold, you know, the perpetrators of this genocide accountable. So then you go back to, you know, the the question that you've addressed several times, which is like, why has no other country signed on to this? And why is no other country backing South Africa? Because presumably we were maybe waiting or global leaders were waiting for someone to make the first move. And then it's less risky, of course, to back South Africa and be the second country to sign on. But so far, no one has. You know, Turkey has offered just kind of tacit support, Malaysia. But but even so, I mean, I think that it's very clear that the U.S. empire is so punitive that it will... I mean, it will seek to destroy these countries. I mean, I, there, was, there was just an op-ed that you actually pointed to in your latest substack about Malaysia specifically, which is really interesting because Malaysia seems like a no-brainer. You know, there's millions of people out in the streets. The leader has issued very harsh con- condemnations about the genocide, but it, 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 the risk overrides the benefit for these countries in terms of the global order and how they fit into it. Well, uh, Malaysia isn't quite as clear-cut as it might seem because they are one of the countries that have a hold on Article 9. Um, so they, they would need to undo that before they would invoke, uh, before they, uh, taking a step back. It, all, sure. what, what's, what, what now needs to happen, as, as you imply, is that other countries need to back up South Africa. And uh, as, as you indicated, a couple of countries have done so rhetorically, but they haven't actually filed legal papers at the International Court of Justice to do so. And how they do that is by uh, making what are called declarations of intervention, basically saying, um, you know, South Africa has done this. We highlight, you know, th- this, this, and this, and this, and this paragraphs of it, which think are very meritorious, and we would offer up. Uh, you know this ad- these additional points to be made to back up these arguments, um, uh, and you're right that no country has yet done has yet done this. I I, I expect that many will, um, and that there's a movement now that there are like literally 300 groups just over the last 48 hours or so have signed on to a coalition uh, asking all of these countries, Brazil. Um, Colombia, uh, Bolivia, uh, Lebanon, Algeria, Jordan, um, uh, Namibia, you know, Ireland, et cetera, et cetera, uh, to be uh, to be doing that. Um, 
and 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 they should uh is a minimum legal step that they can take and you're absolutely right that god knows what ways um the u.s empire will seek to go after south africa or anybody else who severely um severely challenges it uh there's an election coming up in south africa um and i don't think that the anc is completely secure in its position so i would expect um, that the u.s will um, attempt to undermine it um in in that election process for example so they seem to be taking a genuine risk here really sticking their necks out um but there are all kinds of other ways that the u.s um can go after uh, various countries as 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 you know, we, we well know. Yeah. It's, it's amazing that South Africa is doing this. It's also feels like it should just be a completely obligatory thing for countries what? <laughs> that are sign signers on this. I mean, it is, it is the most explicit, obvious case of genocide. And the fact that more countries aren't just doing the right thing, we don't have time and we, these people have to act. Um, does the U.S. have any power to prevent this case from moving forward, or is it is that is it out of their hands at this point? Well, um, formally, it's out of their hands, but as I say, the president of the International uh, 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 Court of Justice is a former State Department official, uh, Joan Donahue. Um, so, you know, one assumes that she is in daily <laughs> hourly contact with Blinken um, and uh, will seek to undermine things. Um, I I think, uh, you know, talking to serious international lawyers, I think that they will be ultimately unsuccessful, um, although they, you know, could attempt to, you know, um, you know, I mean, they've already, you know, delayed things a week, so that for them is a win. Um, you know, they, they, they want to green light Israel attacking for as long as possible. Um, uh, but the international lawyers who I'm in touch, who I'm in touch with are still highly optimistic that ultimately South Africa will prevail in this case and that provincial measures will be put into place and that they will be meaningful in terms of you know, at least scaling back, if not halting, um, Israel's um, Israel's genocidal onslaught. Um, hilarious questioning that you had. I forget who it wasn't Kirby, or maybe it was when you were just directly asking about if the U.S. had essentially threatened <laughs> Mahmoud Abbas right. um, from the PA, and he was just like, "I don't even know where to start." <laughs> I mean, it was a brilliant question because it it's so crazy the fact that even the head of the Palestinian Authority has not invoked this when obviously they would be they should be the first ones to do so. But then when you look at the collaboration with Israel, of course, all of the blackmail and just the power of the U.S. to stimmy any sort of sovereignty or agency, it just lays bare just how ridiculous that partnership and relationship really is. But yeah, what a great what a great back and forth there. Was that the last time that they called on you? Um, I can't, I, I, no, it was like, like it, it was four days in like mid, like November, I don't know, like, you know, 10th, 11th, 12th and 13th, something like that. Um, and it was, it was the understudy guy, Matt Miller wouldn't 
call on me at all, the main spokesperson at the State Department. Um, uh, so this understudy guy uh, would call on me. Um, and, um, you know, uh, at one point he threatened to eject me from the room. <laughs> um, and that was when I was uh, pressing them for, you know, they, they keep saying that Israel needs to abide by international law. And I was like, well, hold on. You know, it, 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 you know, I parsed through a bunch of things and I'm like, you, you don't really recognize that the Fourth Geneva Convention apply, do you? And they gave an evasive answer, which implies to me that they don't. They don't think that the Fourth Geneva Convention applies to the Palestinian territories. So I kept at him about it and he wouldn't, you know, really give an answer. And he kept saying, we, we, you know, we, we urge Israel to abide by international law. So I kept saying, which law? which law and he wouldn't answer which law and then he threatened to kick me out if i kept asking when all i was doing was saying you say that you want them to have, to abide by international law but you won't specify which law it's an absurd position it's completely vacuous they 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 they, they say that they want international law but they don't talk about what that means um and and it's you know they're they're literally giving you a bag of uh, you know, back a bag of crap, uh, uh, if that. Um, so, you know, that, that that's, you know, that's how it's gone. It's completely outrageous and it's made a mockery of every institution, you know, it really has. But I want to talk about what's next because, you know, I, I'm actually supposed to go visit the liaison for Malaysia and Namibia this weekend. We have appointments with them, but now that really? you brought up the article, yeah, now that you brought up the the other kind of caveat to the impediment for Malaysia, well, they can still do it. They can yeah. still do it. They 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 would have to, you know, remove their reservation on Article Nine. I, I believe. Okay. I believe. Actually, I have talked to some international lawyers that said even if a country has a reservation on Article Nine. They can still issue a declaration. They just have to be very careful about how they do it. Okay. Yeah, they would need a very serious international lawyer to figure out how they could potentially do it, even with a reservation on Article Nine. Like, I, I think that like they can't raise any new issues or something like that. That they, they mm -hmm. be very careful about how they do it. And it's not just the U.S. I mean, the Israeli lobby is extremely powerful, and it. You know, it, it's wide reaching and um, it has a lot of money behind it, Sam. And it also is a threatening force. I mean, we just see with the squad on the hill, it's like you don't even have to necessarily make it about Israel. You can target some other issue and totally obfuscate the fact that these hits and attack ads are even coming from APAC or sure. APAC affiliates. And it's really ugly. Mm -hmm. um, so that could also play into why countries are essentially just scared yeah, at this no, point. Absolutely. I mean, my district, uh, Donna Edwards, um, who's a, who was a very, very moderate uh, Democrat, uh, but actually went and uh, met with Hamas uh, folks um, uh, more than 10 years ago. Uh, they, they had blanket attack ads against her, and it had nothing to do with Israel. It was that she had poor constituent services, allegedly. And that's that, you know, it was like 24 7. All the ads on TV, or tons of ads on TV, were uh, Don Edwards, poor constituent services, you know, poor constituent services, blah, 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 blah. That's all you heard. 
probably would have worked better if they were like she met with Hamas. I know, I know. It <laughs> would have. Like, so... It would have. At least it would have been, you know, put the issue on the damn table instead of you know raising this you know you know phony thing that you know obviously APAC and company could care less about. Um, um. So and and you know, um, it was fascinating to me, you know, dealing with this South Africa case because they, you know, I was very optimistic that South Africa was going to move about five weeks ago or so. Um, and they didn't, they had a cabinet meeting and the parliament had overwhelmingly voted for South Africa to completely cut diplomatic ties, not just simply recall their ambassador. Um, um, but the cabinet wouldn't do it, um, nor would they, it seemed at the time, invoke the genocide convention, uh, as you know, I had gotten some people to try to communicate with the, with the cabinet, uh, to do that. Um. And um, what's his, you, you may know Patrick Bond, who's a very, you know, sophisticated uh, activist writer in South Africa. And he basically wrote a piece saying, look, the, you know, the pro-Israel lobby is not just a U.S. phenomenon. Um, it, it exists in South Africa. Um, there, 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 there are, you know, seriously well-connected, well-funded people who are adamantly pro-Israel um, in South Africa who have a detrimental effect on, um, who are trying to, you know, have a detrimental effect on uh, foreign, on South Africa's foreign policy. So it, it definitely is, it is a factor and it's not just in the U.S. It's a global um, impediment towards achieving justice here. And I assume now we'll seek, uh, you know, to target uh, the ANC. On a side note, I, can't believe I forgot to even bring this up. It's super bizarre that Israel was, I mean, I don't know if this is actually going to happen or if this is just floated out yeah. there, but the fact that they were even considering having Alan Dershowitz right. lead their defense. Right. I mean, it's really does seem like a reality is stranger than fiction at this point. I mean, it's just hilarious timing too, because it was right before the Epstein stuff came out. It just makes this whole thing so <laughs> much more insane. <laughs> like why, why, why him? <laughs> like... Is that how out of touch Israel is that they actually? I don't know. Maybe they want to double down <laughs> on the brand. I have no idea if that's just, uh, you know, messing with everybody's brain or if they're serious about it. I have no idea. Absolutely insane. Um, they do seem like they are very good at just throwing a bunch of shit out and yep. convoluting and obfuscating reality. I mean, it's like the hypernormalization effect. It's like everything is just upside down, left is right. You at the same time just committing all these crimes in public like when you were talking earlier about the genocidal intent it i think that's what makes this situation so appalling is that like normally i mean i don't really know how like war criminals act normally but normally you would assume that they would want to hide the crimes but this isn't happening i mean you see israeli soldiers every day committing war crimes and they're just uploading them on tiktok and so it does seem it's a very very unnerving thing to witness like like high technology being able to present us with live streams of genocide and then at the same time like this kind of medieval barbaric nature of the onslaught yeah yeah i don't know it's like you know they they uh, yeah I, I don't know what the psychological things are at play it's just you know you get high on your own you know 
brutality, I guess, to, to sort of help keep you going. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, and your shield is just complete impunity. It's like you know that you're safe right. almost. It's like you have the U.S. behind you. What else do you need? So you have a recent article that just came out um, for the new year, Global Solidarity to Save Palestine, backing South Africa. Um, you know, I think I, I want you to outline exactly what you think people should do and where we go from here. Yeah, they can go uh, to that. It's on my substack, husseini.substack.com, and a volunteer put together a, um, a spreadsheet with contact information for all the countries uh, at play and um, you know where they are and which ones have a reservation for Article 9 and uh, what the contact information is for their UN office and so on and so forth. Um, and there's also, you, you know, a, a simpler and very effective um, uh, uh, thing put out by World uh, Beyond War and Action Alert that just lets you, uh, you know, have a letter and uh, zap it out to about 10 of the countries uh, to urge them to back up South Africa and uh, issue their own declarations um, of intervention so that South Africa isn't just left there out there hanging by itself. Um, and th those are, you know, I sort of go through and I give a sample letter about what to send. And I also, you know, give a, you know, a, a screenshot of the recent uh, General Assembly vote, which was, what, 153 um uh, countries voting in favor, so presumably all of those countries are at least potential um, for uh, backing up uh, South Africa. I don't know if we're going to get 153 countries that have the courage to do that, uh, but at least hopefully as a substantial number, um, a substantial number of them. Absolutely, yeah. I urge everyone to read the article. It inspired me to take action. I'm going with some Code Pink representatives this weekend. I encourage everyone to do the same if you feel completely helpless and that we've reached a plateau with um, agitating the system. Um, it does feel that way, but we need to really re-energize and focus now, hyper-focus strategically on what the next steps are. This is certainly a very crucial one. Sam, thank you so much for putting that together. You mentioned earlier um, a point of optimism that you actually think that several countries will um, come to support South Africa. It does seem like time is ticking. I mean, yeah, I, the court date's coming up. Yeah. Well, I mean, they could do it after. I mean, I, I, you know, I mean we're certainly urging them to act as quickly as possible, um, but it, it, it is possible that they will for whatever strategic or um, other reasons, you know, want to let the hearings play out and then and then issue um, and then issue them, um, you know. Uh, but but we are urging them to act as quickly as they possibly can, and hopefully, you know, the the more people raise their voices uh, for that, the more um, the more of them will do it sooner rather than later. Absolutely. And you have a list of the countries that have actually accused Israel of committing genocide. And I think that instead of states that have not gotten on board or leaders that are not sympathetic, we need to focus on the countries that could be, I mean, that are, you know, very clearly um, on the side of truth and justice here. So let's keep the pressure up. Sam Husseini, thank you so much 
for all of your work, for your time, for beating the drum on this very important issue, Husseini.org. I'll put the links in the bio of the podcast. Really appreciate you coming on The Empire Files. Thank you so much, Abby.